watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Good. I feel like I was a little slow on my draw off the off the pot for the for the intro music. I was a little late because I was opening my beer and taking a sip. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, man. Uh just it, it, like super busy at work which is uh, good yeah no it's certainly not it's certainly not bad um it, it is what it is i'm still in pain on my yeah. knee i'm still waiting for an mri i do not yet have the mri what i did get is a referral to dr oz dr oz a, a super high end Sort of borderline celebrity knee guy. Nice. Yeah. So that was good. He's uh, he does like all of the the pre NFL knees for the Oregon Ducks, and a lot of those last well into NFL hood too. That's right. <laughs> many of them. Many of them. So that was a weird experience. I Go- believe it. Going to uh, like a a high end ortho surgeon. Um. You, you, you know, it, it, it's not your typical, so how are you? Do you have kids? What do you do for a living? Like I walked in, a nurse came in and just sort of asked me some questions. The doctor came in with a younger doctor on a, on a computer. And I mean, those guys were in the room for, I don't know, no more than six or seven minutes. I, I mean, it was so quick. Um, And he's just all business. There's no small talk. And he didn't ask me anything when say he lays me on the table and he just starts bending and poking and prodding and i was you know i don't know what's going on so i said do do you need me to tell you when it hurts and he goes you can if you want (laughs) because pain's not a good indicator of of an injury especially in such a complex joint as the knee Uh, it can hurt on your left side and the injury could be on your right side yeah clearly he had no he had no desire for that information. Uh, and, and so I didn't, uh, I didn't really provide it, but, um, he, you know, like I said, just sort of moved things around and he kind of, uh, shouted things at his, at his resident or whatever. Um, and residents diligently typing into the computer. And then he sits me down and says, you know, this is what I think. So, um, yeah, bizarre experience. I like that doctor experience. Well, you were here for one reason, one reason only. I'm going to get you in and out as quickly as possible. I don't care about your input because you're not the doctor. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, and, you know, he figured out in about 90 seconds, literally 90 seconds of manipulating my leg, what two prior doctors in in over two, like, 20-minute um, interview, you know, sessions had the, he came to the same conclusion as those guys, which maybe they similarly came to the same conclusion quickly, but it was just a much more efficient process. I Yeah, I, I want more of that in my <laughs> medical uh, <laughs> world. I, I went in to get, I, I had a spiral and compression fracture in my thumb once, and the doctor was like feeling it, prodding it, twisting it. She's like, hmm, hmm let me feel your other one and it's feeling them side by side. And I was like, I'm, 
She's like, I think it might just be a sprain. And I went to x-ray after that. She's like, well, it's not a sprain. <laughs> like, okay, that's concerning. Yeah. That's concerning. So I'm, I'm glad you're getting the, the best available care. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, the, it doesn't really matter because all he was doing was making an assessment so that he could get me approved for an art uh, an MRI which he did and now we're just waiting for an insurance authorization on that i mean everything's just yeah it sucks it's like canada up in her taking forever i know <laughs> so but yeah uh i'm walking better than i was last week yeah you're getting moving around okay i think pain is maybe a little bit more that might be a byproduct of walking more definitely so, is um yeah i'm good how are you i'm good i'm on the tail end of the weekend i've got my boat sitting in my driveway yeah is i think yeah this is last week was still oh i just gone out on the boat yeah I'm you just taking it for a test drive that's right so i i did make a boat purchase and i have a 17 foot bay liner in my driveway mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it is super 80s custom vinyl wrap on it looks great i'm really excited i haven't been able to get it on the water yet yeah when um, you say super <clears throat> 80s in my mind that makes it sound like it's tacky it's not at all oh no so it's it's recently done it was done this last year yeah to harken back it's vintage inspired yeah 80s decaling on it uh and it's awesome i'm so excited to get on the water i wasn't able to this week just because of my work schedule in conjunction with sam's work schedule we couldn't couldn't get out on the water, but um, hopefully Saturday we're going to get out. Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it looks oh, fantastic. Oh. I just beer sprayed my face. All in the face. All up in it. Yeah. Uh, and the microphone. Man. Microphone will be fine. So will your face. <laughs> oh, microphones have been worse through that. Hmm. Worse than that. Um, yeah, so I got, I, I got my boat this week, and that's sort of been my project, was going and picking up the boat and... <clears throat> figuring out where it needs to go in the driveway and yeah so i'm good i don't know it's hard to beat that i'm kind of riding that just got my just got a boat high new new shit high yeah yeah got a cover for it today put it on way too hot to be outside but wanted to put the cover on and it's covering said boat you know i don't remember a time in oregon where it's been consistently for as many days in a row between like 88 and 92 degrees. I think we're going on like three weeks almost of between 88 and yeah. it's been more than that. 93 without any deviation in that for the, for the, the high of the day. It hasn't even rained. Yeah. We usually get some, we'll have like 50 degree days undulation in yeah. there. And it's just been three weeks consistently 90 something every day. Yeah. Which is not brutal. That's not a brutal temperature, but it's also like, it's just odd, I think. It is for where we live. Yeah. It's not normal here. We're not accustomed to that. It used to be we get like, well, not even used to be. I'm like in my head, the Oregon summer is ranges between 60 and 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. And there's a two-week spell in July or August of 90 to 100. I guess that's where we are now, but. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like it lasts forever when you don't. When you're not used to it. And I'll miss it when it's gone, so I shouldn't complain. I won't, because I'm really looking forward to getting bundled up and under waders, and 
out into cold water yeah. to fish. Yeah, I much prefer this, but but I hear what you're saying. I don't. I'm not. I'm not equipped for this. <laughs> it's it's hard. Yeah, you know, um, I think I think uh, I've always preferred it a little warmer. It's because I was like a pool baby growing up. Yeah, not me. Yeah. Cool it down. I sweat at sixty degrees, <laughs> so. It's not for me. And I lived in Texas for a long time. That was a very unpleasant. I would get season, like reverse seasonal affective disorder. Like come August, I would just be in a deep, deep depression, missing being cold. Because even groundwater, you can't take cold showers because groundwater is still warm. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. You take a cold shower in the summer? I take hot showers when it's hot and cold showers when I'm hot. And this is important. So when it, when it's hot outside, like the ambient air temperature is hot, but I'm like not hot, I take a hot shower so that those first couple of minutes out, the relative temperature experience is lower, so it feels cooler for a few minutes. But when I'm hot, I yeah, I got a cold shower to to lower my core temperature. I don't like cold showers. I take hot showers even when it's hot or when I'm hot. No, when I'm hot, gotta be cold. <laughs> so, watches today. I mean, we'll get there if you want. Yeah, I suppose we should. No, we're talking about watches. We're talking about watches today, and we're talking about, like, something integral to watches. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of... I like to think of this as one of our peeling back of the kimono topics. Because there's a lot of... (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Peeling back the kimono, taking a look inside. Okay. Is Is that a... that's a phrase? Is that a saying? Yeah, look behind the kimono. Yep. Look under the kimono. Is I don't know exactly. Maybe it's, I'm using the words wrong, but is this sexual? Like obviously. I feel like you peel back the kimono, you're like flashing or or opposite, you're sexually assaulting one of the two. Well, if you're doing it with your legs the way that you just did, yeah. <laughs> uh but today's episode, we're gonna look at the specific well, maybe not the specific, but we're gonna do broad spokes, broad strokes differences between mechanical manual watches and automatic watches and episodes like this i think are important for us because so much of the knowledge that the watch world has is taken for granted and so many people's opinions are developed by hitting the forums listening to assholes like us talk and our opinion, and then they don't really understand why we maybe hold that opinion. They accept it, internalize it, and then continue to propagate said opinion. Hmm. There's a lot of things about watches that we just generally accept as true, Mm -hmm. but have no idea why. Yeah, I mean, I think, like with all things, right? Yeah. But I think that creates a little bit of a barrier to entry. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least some intimidation factor. So today... We're going to maybe try to reduce that and also maybe edify ourselves a little bit because I thought this was going to be easier than it was. Turned out it got kind of hard. <laughs> well, and, and and I think, you know, usual caveats, we're not experts, etc. But th- this is a weird one, too, because it's kind of a basic topic. Um, we're going to scrape scrape maybe a little deeper in some places, but certainly not as deep as some of, as some of you would like, maybe. Because I think short of being very mechanically inclined 
or having an education in watch physics, uh, you, you, it, it's hard to understand some of the concepts here. So w with that in mind, um, as always, do not hesitate. Uh, do not hesitate to hit us up if we've missed something or screwed something up because yeah, because we're gonna, because we're gonna. So once upon a time, the mechanical watch was invented. 16th century. Yeah. And it was just sort of there. And then along comes the automatic watch. What, 1926? Yeah, I was going to say 23. I don't know why. Uh, so 1926, the automatic watch is here, which kind of revolutionizes watch wearing for the big reason that you no longer had to wind your watch because your watch would wind itself whilst wearing it you, you end of story there it is there's the difference you, you no longer had to manually wind your watch correct you know you no longer had to take your watch off pull the crown and you, wind you it. still have to wind it yeah. you just do so by way of some things like getting steps on your fitbit whacking off <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i made a dirty one so so that's the broad stroke difference a manual watch you wind manually. <laughs> when we're sitting here talking, do you ever think like, well, why does anybody listen to us? Well, All the like, time. Why in the world? Especially like at this point of the episode, like if you're sitting in your car, would you be like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Just play the music. Right? <laughs> Just do it. Uh, but there's more to it than that. The, okay, let's, hope, let's hope. The... The advent of the automatic winding watch is kind of an engineering masterpiece. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I, I, the, the, no less a masterpiece is the advent of the mechanical watch. But it solved a problem that was kind of non-existent. It's a problem you didn't know you have. And that's, that's the right. real magic in beautiful inventions is they solved problems you didn't know you had i hate spending time with people boom netflix <laughs> and i was pretty okay with people before netflix <laughs> problem solved so let's let's do a a big picture functioning of the mechanical manual what are we going to use are we can use mechanical or manual watch yeah so, no that that's a reasonable that's a reasonable point but i don't think uh it makes any sense for us to try to fight our natural impulses we'll just say right now if we say the words manual or mechanical we mean a manual wind watch although even though an automatic watch is a mechanical watch it can be it, yeah what they are Right. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so if we use the word mechanical, we don't mean automatic. We mean Correct. manual wind. And Correct. That's it. Okay, I'll accept the main components of your mechanical watch. Do do me. We've got your crown, which attaches to a stem, which attaches to a spring, which then attaches to a a big gear set series. This spring called the main spring lives in a housing called a barrel. That mainspring, <clears throat> after being tensioned, releases its energy, managed by your... Uh-oh, 
it's eluding me. Uh, your escapement? Yep, your escapement. That manages the outflow, the exhausting of your mainspring and powers the movement that you see. Not the movement of the watch. It powers the actual physical movement of the hands, subdials, and other complications of the watch. You, you know, I, I, I think we, we can I think we can do a little bit You gonna go deeper? Deeper okay. because I think you've hit all the points, but I first just wanna say while we were researching for this episode, I found this YouTube video that will be linked in the show notes. Yes, I will link that one. Um, That's the only thing I'm going to link because everything else was kind of trash. Yeah. This is by a YouTube channel called Animographs, uh, and it is titled How a Mechanical Watch Works. And I think it's a really, really excellent video. It's just well made, and it explains a lot of this stuff. Um, and I was watching it, and I was like... You know, explaining this this series of of mechanical processes that happen in conjunction with each other, but but also visualizing it uh, in this way, this very specific way, I thought was a lot of fun. It was well animated. The guy's voice was kind of grinding. I didn't particularly like his voice. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I think that was a good... You, you know, I think the thing... I think the thing that became apparent to me today um, m- more than it ever had previously was that it's not, it's not a line. I had always imagined a linear set of motions based on the mainspring being released. And I think in my head, I had the mainspring being released directly into the escapement which then powered your gear train Mm. but i don't think that's i think actually maybe in a more appropriate way to visualize this is a y where your mainspring pokes into both your gear train and the first part of the gear train pokes out to a break your escapement and then your hairspring yeah, the hairspring being the end of the brake, but the brake being inserted kind of in the middle or at the front end of the gear train. So we'll, well it's the governor to the to the tension release of the mainspring. A- absolutely, and and I think just visualize just having that visual. I just really appreciated it more. Like this is such an incredible that his his animation on the hairspring and the escapement. I think was terrific and it really like i never realized how much mainspring there was so uh, he said a foot it's a shitload yeah a foot of ribbon metal is coiled up about a foot of ribbon made of metal is coiled up ribbon yeah in the center of your watch yeah (laughs) it's crazy it's crazy that's fucking nuts yeah that's like that's like intestine density. Do you do you ever watch any of those watch those watch uh, repair videos on YouTube? No. Yeah. Because it I, that will give me the undue confidence that I can do this. Like for example, <laughs> my Alpinis is running in in not great shape, and that's my fault. So I have to get it serviced. Maybe you don't need to get it serviced, but you may need to have it demagnetized and regulated. I lost seven minutes in an hour mm. since you've been here. Yeah. I've caught up. It, it doesn't may, make any sense. It may be magnetized. 
How? It happens. Whatever it's whatever's happened. It, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's why uh <laughs> that's why, you know, people that are around magnetic shit wear anti-magnetic watches. It's a real legitimate I'm not around magnetic shit. Everything's magnetic. Not this beer can. <laughs> Probably not. Because it's made of aluminium. So but that what definitely watch that video because if if even if you're familiar with maybe Nick don't watch the video it would probably be a waste of your time I get mad at it but for the rest of us who are just regular ass normies who like watches the animation was terrific showed everything in slow motion and then sped it up to what you're actually seeing so you wanted to talk more about no that was it i just wanted to talk a little bit about how incredible that video was and how you can learn more yes i sent that to the boys and mike was like why would you send me this i was like i thought it was cool yeah and he's like well don't you already know how it works and i was like well yeah but i still thought it was cool and then he relented and said okay i'll try it we watch how it's made all the time yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love that show like we watch shark week don't you know the sharks bite people yeah we know let me see i'm still gonna watch (laughs) so that being said that mechanical function can create some problems Mm. ish Mm. they're not necessarily problems when you don't recognize them as such but when there's another solution they sort of present as problems hold on i've got actually an extreme uh, like a technical question for you, Andrew. Yes. What would happen if I were to take, say, a, uh, just for instance, a 24-hour jumping time GMT movement and then disregarded the 12-hour hand but instead modified the 24-hour jumping hand to 12 hours so that I could fit my skeletonized our hand to that have it run on a 12-hour cycle but also be jumped on what would happen just I mean, i'm just curious this is kind of a technical question just popped into my head i think it'd be fine <laughs> okay yeah no i think that's legit in <laughs> fact i think that's genius and we should market it the problems that present here you have to wind the watch you have to remove it from your wrist not this jumping time Mexican jumping being nonsense that we're talking about. You have to remove your watch and wind it. If you hold on, because I've got to, I'm going to, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Wind your watch. Call it. I oftentimes don't wind my watch. Okay. I, (laughs) I went all of yesterday wearing my Speedmaster and then I woke up this morning and looked and I was like, I still haven't said it. And I was like, I'll set it today. You wore the flipper for days. It doesn't, it can't be set. <laughs> so I, I finally set this thing as I was headed to court today because I was like, okay, I am court. I'm actually going to need you to tell the time. Yeah. I wore it for a solid 36 hours unwound. My oh, man. <laughs> How long is your, what's your power reserve? On the speedy? I mm-hmm. think it's 38 hours. I don't know that for sure, but I think it's 38 hours. Okay. But you have to wind it. You do. These, if, these, if, you want, if you want it to tell the time accurately it, at all, you do have to wind it. And Nick makes a really interesting argument, and I don't know if he posted the video to a story or to his Instagram. There's a really good argument to wind your automatic watches also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you must wind 
your manual watches. Otherwise, they just stop running. They run out of juice. The, ten- the tension is entirely released on the mainspring, and it has no more ass to power the gear train. Yes. With older watches, you can overwind these things and break your stem from your mainspring because of too much tension. That's a problem because then it doesn't work anymore. It is the, the defect is likely to happen at the stem connection? I believe so. Yeah, I don't know. kind of what I could find is, is that over-tensioning breaks the spring away from the driving agent being mm. the stem or whatever functionality is used to attach the crown and, to the spring. And now, of course, with modern innovation, they've dealt with a lot of that stuff. They've introduced yes. clutches. and um, But yeah, that's a, that's a thing. In fact, I think... The very first watch I was ever the owner of was a mechanical Lady in the Tramp watch, and I overwound it. That's probably because its pieces were plastic. Certainly. (laughs) So, moved to 1926, where we have the onset of the automatic watch. The onset? That sounds foreboding. It is. The invention. The the, proliferation. Okay. Arrival. The onset. It's like a like a cluster headache. <laughs> Could be for these guys who are suddenly having to learn how to do how to implement this technology. This technology <clears throat> goes to be advanced to what to what we know today. The the biggest change here is an added layer of mechanics, which is why inherently automatic movements are thicker than mechanical. Because they have more shit. Because they have to have more shit. A, there are more pieces added so that the rotor that you see when you look through an exhibition case back or the rotor that you know on in this movement spins and winds the watch passively. And the idea of that is that through wear, your watch will never die. Preservation of your, of your kinetic energy. Yes. You're, you're reducing, reusing, recycling. Exactly. Rather than, you know, having to wind uh, your watch. Automatic watches are green, people. Very. So let's get to the modern day. Here we are. Here we are. Today. <laughs> Mechanical watches have almost entirely alleviated the overwind and break problem. They are inherently thinner. Although I do think that that, uh, who just released the three millimeter watch, the two millimeter watch? Oh, I don't know. It's got to be like a some sort of Bulgari or something. No, 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 no. I just saw it. It's tiny. I think that was an automatic movement. I could be mistaken, though. It's t- it looked ridiculous. <laughs> it, it was like a quarter, on, but much larger than a quarter, obviously. It was fantastic, and the technology in it is is out of this world. And I, I want to say it was an automatic. Fuck, it doesn't matter. Mechanicals are, inher- are inherently thinner, which I think lend themselves to dress watches. Here's also something that if, if we're going to do a balancing act. Of, yeah, is of, that what we're doing here? Kind of well, I just, I just want to kind of highlight some things, right? So, so at this point, both things are equal in the way of uh, durability. You're not going to overwind and break your mechanical watch. You're not going to overwind and break your automatic watch. Really, the difference is that one is going to passively wind itself, although there is an argument for those watches that you can wind, you ought to wind because they perform better when wound to their full capacity. 
And even on Monta's website, they say that you should, even if you're wearing your watch every day, you should wind it fully about every seven to 10 days. Oh, interesting. To get Because you get that full charge. They say that your car runs better with a full tank of gas. With a full energy charge, you're going to get better performance. Yeah, you you alluded to this just just a bit ago, but Nick Harris posted, I think it was on his story on the Orion, mm-hmm. or it might have been... I think it was maybe to his page. It, he he posted a story showing the accuracy of a watch. I don't think it was an Orion watch, uh, but maybe it was. It, it, it certainly could have been, but gave it just a cursory wiggle. He shook the shit out of that thing. He, and he, then put it on the time grapher, and it had a pretty high deviation. I can't remember what the... There were a the, lot of beat errors to it. Yeah, beat rate error. And then and then fully wound it, you know, gave it the full manual wind. Hundred rotations. Hundred is that what it was? That's what he said. Hundred rotations. And and the beat rate error went down to oh, neg- was, negligible was, numbers. None. It was clean. It went from um I'm like a heart rate heart rate monitor looking graph to just a clean obviously with deviations, but a generally clean line. The the takeaway being Things run better on full power. Yes, yes. So it makes sense with your automatic watches to wind them up, like you said. Yeah. And for those of us with large collections of watches, when it's dead anyway, wind it after you set it, eventually. (laughs) And you're going to have a more, you're going to have a better performing machine on your wrist. Well, and the same is true for mechanical watches too. Hand wind manual watches, they run more accurately fully wound. Uh, so something I found interesting while, while reading about this, uh, it, it, well, two things I found interesting. One is with hand wind movement, when you wind it all the way to the break, don't wind me anymore. Uh, they tend to run a little bit faster, but that goes away quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they run pretty consistently until they get down into that last 10% of the power reserve. So the there there's a, a plateau in the middle where it runs pretty consistently for most mechanical watches if you're winding it every day wearing it every day winding it at the same time you're gonna have very low deviations you 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 should theoretically never reach that bottom end of performance that's right i don't know of i mean i don't i can't think of a mechanical watch with a less than 24-hour power reserve. Uh, no, I can't either. Um, and, and so the same would be true then for automatic watches, except that you're just by way of the motion of the ocean uh, keeping them in that band. Hopefully. Yeah. But for those of us who may, maybe go a week without wearing a watch, and or maybe shy of a week, maybe five days, and you come back to it and it's on its last legs and you put it on, you're going to have a pretty poor performing watch. Because you're not, I don't think you're ever going to be able to generate enough kinetic energy to fully wind your automatic watch. Yeah. Because it, it winds it in really small increments. Yeah, that, that's right. That That's right. And, and, and I've always wondered how like a Miyota movement versus an NH, uh, how they both basically do the same job you know an nh a seiko nh movement winds both directions the miyota only one it always felt like there should be a delta there but it turns out there's really not the second interesting thing i found and i'm just going to interrupt you one more time here before 
I, I give the mic back up here, but this we're just using one microphone tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the second interesting thing I found was that all other things being equal, should I caveat this? I believe this to be true. Perhaps. I don't know. Please tell me if I'm wrong. All other things being equal, a manual wound movement is going to have a longer power reserve, maybe 10% longer power reserve than an automatic movement. Hmm. And for instance, because I can hear your objections, you're sitting there and saying, whoa. For instance, the SW200 and the SW210, the same caliber, same base caliber. One of them has an automatic rotor affixed to it. The other one doesn't but really the same engineering mm-hmm. that make these two watches run. Oh, yes, the 2 Series, 2XX. You are going to have a 38-hour power reserve on the auto and a 42 on the mechanical. Hmm. And floated some ideas, talked to some people. There's two prevailing theories here. There's two prevailing theories. One of these is practical. Uh, specifically, um, manual wine watches don't have a slip bridle, right? Which is the part attached to the end of the mainspring to keep it from overwinding, which could potentially take some space in the barrel, meaning you have either more room to wind the mainspring. There's just more room for it to be wound up or or, more room for more mainspring or there's more room for more mainspring. Um, I think it's a decent theory. I would be surprised if Salida is putting different size mainsprings in these. So I'm not sure I I believe it. The other theory is more of like a physics uh, theory that there's something happening, something Newtonian happening as between the rotor and the mainspring. Uh, actually asked Nick about this, uh, Nick Harris, and he said he um, thinks it might be energy loss from the slipping reserve power flow into the automatic. So either way, theories abound. If you do know the answer to this question, feel free to tell us. But other than that, just take it. Take my word for it. All things being equal, manual wine is going to run slightly longer than an automatic. I think there's something you said there that some of that energy could be transferred into your rotor shaft. <laughs> as it's as it's unwinding it's it's going to be exerting force against that rotor shaft yeah which would be just a very little i mean but relative to its pure mechanical counterpart that has nowhere else to exert that energy entropy or yeah. or even just every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction right i, I read a position today that mechanical watches exist generally often <clears throat> not generally, but often in super high luxury, highly complicated watches. That manual wind is more likely to be in high end. Which are going to carry more complications and more power reserve is allotted to those as a uh, kind of a customer care thing so that every time you put on your watch, you don't have to reset all your complications. I think that's false. Yeah, I think it's a crock of shit. And I think that's a crock of shit too because everyone, not everyone, 
many brands are in the power reserve excess game. Yeah. This is the power reserve space race kind of era in watches. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't explain the phenomenon anyway. It, no. It's just a crock of shit. Yeah. Let's, let's go into, into the inherent differences and maybe value differences betwixt the two. For, for those of us who have a large amount of watches, I don't know that there's a difference that is that matters. I think you just you, you find a watch and and the movement that's in it, if it's a movement that you like, regardless of hand cranker or automatic, it's the right purchase. Because how many of us put on dead watches in the morning? Everett wears them for a day and a half. <laughs> Everett has a watch that just doesn't move and wears it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I wind and set mine. You know, usually by the time I leave the house, I wind and set. But I think we can do better than buy what you like here, right? No, we absolutely can. So, but for those of us who who have several watches, I don't think this should even be a consideration. I think. Agree or disagree? That you you just don't think you you worried about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not something I care about. Um, with that said, there's some practical considerations whether you change watches every day or not, right? Like the first one I think of, a automatic watch is going to be more prone to failure. Yeah, more pieces, more failures. Rotor bearings typically wear out in five to ten years. Um, a purely mechanical watch, you can expect to have almost two times as long a lifespan before you have a part failure. Mm-hmm. You're going to need regulation in that time. But before you have part failure, you can expect almost twice as long on a mechanical watch versus an automatic watch. Don't quote me on that number, but it's something like that. It's some multiple of time. Mechanical watches, more inclined to water leakage. Yeah. Because you're disrupting the gasket in the crown. So Mm -hmm. any sort of water resistance expectation is diminished over time. With an automatic watch, if you wear that thing every day, you may pull the crown out if you're following Nick Harris's advice once a week, uh, if you're not, maybe less than that, right? Do you need to set the watch? If not, you just may not. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously over time, that's going to become more and more frequent. But, uh, you know, those are right there, objective advantages for both. Yeah. Mechanical watch is going to make a better dress watch. Almost universally. Probably because it's thinner. Mm-hmm. Although micro rotors and... Like you said, there's all sorts of ways to squish down an automatic movement. But yes, oftentimes mechanical thinner. Yeah. Your automatic watch isn't going to die at inconvenient times. (laughs) Or it is. No, it's not. If you're wearing that watch, you're not suddenly going to be dead in the water. It's not going to suddenly die if you forget to wind it. Yeah. Because you're going to carry enough charge with you now there come there, there's the there's also power reserve indicators that are available with modern technology and, and and you start looking at that that those kinds of things and that kind of becomes a moot point because on your manual watch if you look at it and you go oh six hours <laughs> yeah wind it up i think the technology behind a lot of automatic watches is much cooler 
micro rotor specifically. Yeah. But with a mechanical watch, you have a better opportunity to see the, the workings. You do. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. That doesn't. That might get it going for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a hypochondriac. If I can see my movement, I sent Everett a picture today. I was like, is this a, is this a blemish? Is this, a, is this debris <laughs> in my movement? And I, I think it is probably the hairspring, but it's not moving uniformly. It's exactly what it is. It, no, it's, it's debris inside my movement beating away within my movement, just getting pulverized in there. But that's the thing I do. I look at it and like have horrors of what's happening. It's like self-inspecting your own uh, x-rays. Yeah, I don't I don't really care to see my movement. <laughs> it's not good for me. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, what else is there? Well, I think that some people um, with regards to a mechanical movement, some people will like the fact that they get to wind it every day. Right? You can wind your automatic every day, just unless like, it's an SKX. Just like some people will like shifting gears yeah. in their car, right? There's a connection to there's a connection to the process that's happening, and that is not going to be for everybody, right? There is some nostalgia there. There, there is some some very real nostalgia that I think watch hobby in itself kind of is anyway. And it may be more than nostalgia for some people. I think there, there may be something about the routine, the ritual um, that is powerful for people. But I think that's, that's part of it. You're connecting to this history. It's the same reason I think people like classic cars or antiquated technology because they like that connection to where it began. They like that feeling. Which I think is kind of tied into weird. I think we agree. I was just expanding on it. And making myself more right. <laughs> but broad strokes, that's the big difference. Is there two entirely unique machines... I think one you drive, one you power. I mean, it's an automatic versus manual transmission. One you you are in control, and the other does it for you, by and large. You still need to put transmission fluid in it. That's important. But I think people get hung up on hand winders versus automatics. Okay, let me ask you this. And I don't think it's necessary. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If I give you one watch that you could wear... For the next three years, automatic or manual? Like, do I get to custom make this whole watch? No, no. I'm just going to give you a watch. You don't get to choose anything about it except for the winding mechanism. Automatic or manual, go. What's the watch? I don't, I don't care. Okay. That's, I think what I'm getting at is I don't, I don't care. If you, if you say, Hey, I found a hand cranker, uh, but it's like, this cool fucking thing, or I have this cool automatic, like that's, there's other things that are more important to me. What's your thought on it? Yeah, I think if I had to choose, I think you're avoiding the question. Uh, I think if I had to choose one watch, it would be automatic. If I had to choose five watches that were all the same, they'd be mechanical, hand wound mechanical. And, and that for me at least illustrates the point. Um, 
that if it's just going to be one, I'm never going to take it off. Oh, and I have to wear that watch for the next three years? Yeah, that was, that, watch? that was the whole point, dum-dum. Oh, I want an automatic watch. <laughs> yeah. So, that I mean, there really, I don't think that there is a ton of advantage to a mechanical watch versus a manual wind watch versus an automatic watch, no, except for what we've yeah. described, slightly longer power reserve, um, slightly longer longevity. Mm-hmm. But for me, I do like that experience of winding it. I wind most of my watches when I put them on. I do now, since watching Nick Harris's video. Yeah. Like, wait, I'm not going to have a magnetized watch on my wrist? Now it's a dead nuts. (laughs) I bet it's magnetized. Just take it in and get it demagnetized. That's annoying. Aren't these supposed to be anti-magnetic? They're prospects. I don't think that means anti-magnetic. It's prospect. Professional (laughs) specifications. I've never had a magnetized watch, and it's my first one probably, and pisses me off. Wah, wah. Whatever. It's a cheap fix. Anderson will do it for you. For, he'll probably do it for free. Or you could buy the anti-magnetizing thing that you did and blow it up. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> Made it worse. Were you there with me when that happened? No, you just showed me. I, was, I came later. I bought one of those blue box mag- demagnetizing machines, and it, it literally like exploded, a mini explosion in my house. With my watch on it. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, are we done? Are we done? Did we... I, I don't feel like we've done anything today, but... I think we have it. But I think... Whatever. Do we need to keep going until we just really make a great discovery? I think we've, t- we've drank beer and we've talked about watches. And that's enough for me. Are you not entertained? I don't blame you. <laughs> Either way, I don't blame you. No. Not at all. Andrew, other things. What do you got? I recently watched a television show. Go figure. I watched The Righteous Gemstones, finally. And it's not a new show. It's been out since, like, 2019. Just took me a while to get around to it. It has the best lineup. Danny McBride... Adam Devine, Devine, I think it's Devine, and John Goodman are the three primary male characters. Um, and Eddie Patterson, Edie, Edie Patterson, because Edie Patterson, yeah, yep. uh, who I recognized but couldn't place, is the main female. And there's a bucket load of other people who when you see them you're like oh i fucking know you walter oh, goggins you. dermot yeah. moroni yeah i mean take your pick of tony cavallaro <laughs> yeah a bunch of people you recognize the whole premise of the story is that the gemstones this family name are the ministry leaders slash owners of a global mega church as a result of that They're super rich. John Goodman is the builder of this empire. And the children are all the benefactors of growing up super rich with an amusement park in their backyard, kind of rich. Which leads to making some choices. So the whole premise of the story is Danny McBride's character finds that there is a video of him participating in some 
less than savory activities and is being blackmailed. And the world spins out of control as a function of that. But they did, the show was hilarious. It's like this really dark comedy. My wife and I watched it together and there are things that had me almost in tears that weren't like fart jokes or something, but things that just had me dying that, that she was not amused by. She's just like, I don't get why that's funny. Like, that, that's typical for you and Sam. Yeah. Like, no, I, it, you should get why that's funny. It was this really great commentary on mega churches and wealth within religion being misused, mismanaged without being a direct commentary on it. Season one also like had some really good redeeming story arcs. It's a killer show. It's available on HBO Max. And I'm pretty sure everyone gets HBO Max for free if you have television services. Because I think I get mine... I gotta pay for it. I think I get mine for free because I have Xfinity Internet. Or maybe it's because of my phone. I don't know. I have Verizon and Xfinity. So for those of you who aren't getting HBO Max for free, I'm apparently subscribing to something else that you aren't. But I think it's I, it says included in my package. But I don't pay for it. Watch it. Season one's available. Season two was, I think, tentatively slated for a 2021 release pre-COVID and is now probably kicked out to 22 or 23. But season one was phenomenal. It's a, it's a show I'm for sure going to go back and watch again. I don't know that it's going to be one of those long-running, successful shows. I think it's going to be kind of like Vice Principles where you get three seasons of it and that's enough. Do they or do they not utter the name Falwell at any point? I'm just wondering, asking for a friend. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've got another thing, Andrew. Do me. As you know, I recently bought a broken watch from the 70s, a broken plastic watch from the 70s. Yes, you did. Oh, okay. And when I ordered it, I could tell from the pictures on eBay that the bracelet, the strap, uh, was un, uh, maybe not unnaturally, but uh, uh, yellowed. It was yellowed. It's it's a white watch with a white plastic strap. But oh, it was the the case of the wa- around the watch, the shroud around the watch head was a much much lighter color than the strap. But I could tell it was that like particular amber color that was due to just oxidation and aging. Mm-hmm. So I started researching this because I knew in my head there was a way to take care of yellowed plastics. You know, I've, I know that like Game Boys can be refreshed after they turn yellow, mm-hmm. but there's a chemical process. I've seen a guy with a pressure washer blowing stadium seats from like weathered and disgusting to fresh plastic. Yeah, and it's not, there's actually, well, so so hydrogen peroxide, I think, is the ingredients folks use most often, but um, it's going to have some structural compromising, don't you think? Yeah, well, you use, I don't think so. So peroxide will touch the surface and take out the yellow oxidants somehow and sort of restore that original color. So um, I started looking, you know, is there, do I just want to use regular peroxide? Do I want to use peroxide and something else? You know, do I want to mix it with dish soap? What do I want to do? And I quickly found on um, Reddit people talking about shoes. And there's this product called Salon Care 40. 
Um, and so as my flipper was coming, my Fortis flipper was coming to me from England. I also on Amazon ordered a bottle, a 32 ounce bottle of this stuff called Salon Care 40. It is, I believe what it is, is a thickening agent for hair color. Mm. So you're coloring your hair. You can use this stuff. It'll pull some of your color out while giving space for the dye to go in. I, long story short, I got my, I got my watch in. Strap was broken. No need to apply Salon Care 40 to this. But I have an old pair of Nike SB, like SB Dunks, that had white soles and the white on the soles. They're still in really good shape. But the white on the soles had turned yellow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, the shoe guys all use this stuff. That's where I found it. So I just kind of on a whim, because I had this stuff and I kind of wanted to use it. Just on a whim, I taped up the suede on these on these shoes and just kind of painted on the outsides of these shoes. I painted this stuff on just with a cheap paintbrush. Kind of a thick layer. And then I stuck them in my backyard in a place where I thought that I would get the most sun. And I went to work and came back. And they look brand new. So Simple Green Guy's been lying to you. Right. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I was absolutely blown away. So the next day, of course, I did the other side. And I mean, you can tell these things have still been like worn and abraded little, a little bit. But these, the soles, the outsoles, that rubber strip that yeah. goes around was like amber colored. Afterwards, completely shockingly like they were brand new white why didn't you take before and afters i don't know i just didn't think about it it was just kind of a whim i mean i have other shoes i could do this too but i do so many things on a whim that i take pictures of i know i know i did just in the event that maybe i'll become insta famous Ooh, that couldn't have been good everything's fine amateur hour <laughs> i remember the simple green guy coming door to door to my house as a kid Billy Mays came to your house? Like a door-to-door salesman, not Billy himself, oh. but one of his agents. If Billy Mays had come to my house, I'd have kidnapped him, put him in my basement. Yeah, he still would have wound up dead. <laughs> uh, and the guy, like, I, for some reason, walked through the living room. My mom's, like, listening to his pitch. My mom bought all manner of... That was her shtick. Door-to-door. We, have a, we had a Kirby when I was a kid. Nice. Because the door-to-door guy... Uh, but he's like, Hey son, come on over here. It's like, it's a weird thing to call a person. And I couldn't have been more than like nine. Let me see your shoe. And I'm a kid. So my shoes are fucked up and nasty. Yeah. 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 And he sprays my shoe down like the outsole and wipes it. And I look at it and I was like, well, that's some kind of sorcery. Cause then the sudden there was just like this white clean stripe on the outsole of my shoe. My mom subsequently bought like his inventory. Yeah. Um, but didn't clean the rest of those shoes. So the trick with this stuff is it's UV activated. So the reaction happens in the sun. Um, if I'd been thinking... Or under it, a UV head lamp thing. 
Yeah, you can do. They make like UV light strips. People will like fit up. I was thinking at a salon where you put the can over your head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I think uh, like w- what the shoe guys, some of the shoe guys do is they have like clear uh, r- Rubbermaid totes that they like will line in tinfoil and then and then inside the tinfoil put UV LED strips. So it just creates like an LED bath. Um, but for my purposes, just two days sitting in the sun, probably ruined the leather because they got all hella baked but <laughs> but the outsoles look good whatever so yeah I, I was amazed if you have yellowed plastic salon care 40 i'm sure that there's other products that do the same thing but the salon care 40 i bought was like 11 bucks for a lifetime supply yeah if you had to say how many because it's because the one you sent me is 20 bucks for a 32 ounce both sides less than an ounce total okay yeah so lifetime supply yeah yeah, that, that would be my guess. I mean, I poured it into a ramekin and it was just like a and then I brushed it on and I set it in the sun and they came out white as can be. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Now I know. Andrew, what do, you know. What, 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 what do you wanted to talk about before we hang up the phone on these kind, kind people? I'm out of things, man. I always want to sing when you say I'm all out of things. I know. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this episode of 1420 of the Watch Clicker Podcast. Check us out at watchclicker.com. That's the website. Every single episode of this podcast, as well as reviews and articles and other fun wordy type things. Check us out on Instagram, at 1420, at watchclicker. If you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash 1420. That's how we pay for really everything that we use to make this show, including hardware and software and all of our hosting needs, as well as Andrew's boat wraps. Not camera stuff. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.